This episode originally aired on July 1st, 2022 on the Unethical Patreon. Our client today is TZ Borden from the podcast Tapes from the Dark Side. There are a few titties in this case. <laughs> a few titties in this case. Yeah. <laughs> it's a wonderful teaser. All right. More than three, less than five. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. There, may, there may be an uneven number of titties. Hello. How may I help you, good sir? Hello, Mr. Dick. I have a case from Australia that I need you to solve for me, please. Right. Came to the right place. RJ, get a pen. Okay. Why do I have to do the pen? Uh, Rick, get a pen. I'll do the pen. Good. All right. So what do you need us to solve? Okay. I got a, I got a murder on New Year's Eve. It's Ooh. been unsolved for 60 years, and I need you guys to finally crack the case for me, please. Okay. Okay. Murder. Murder. How much is murder on the price list? Ricky? That's that's a great question. I'm in charge of the pen, so I'm going to knock that one over to RJ. All right, RJ. How much are we charge him for murder these days? Uh, I'm not sure. I actually found a pen, so I thought I was in charge of that again. All right. So we'll talk about how much we're going to pay after. I like murder, though. Who's this case concerning? Good, sir. We have a Bogle and a Chandler. Dr. Bogle? Doctor. Yes. Yeah, so Dr. Gilbert Bogle. And we have a Margaret Chandler. They are both married, but not to each other. Found near a river, partially nude, and deceased. Fully aware. Fully aware. Know all about this case, actually. This is perfect. I just listened to a guy's podcast called Tapes from the Dark Side. I'm fully... Tapes from the Dark Side? I listened to this yesterday. So I'm fully aware of this case. Yes, I heard they covered it. That's uh, you sound a lot like that guy. No, I'm not him, huh? But I know him, yeah. Does an okay podcast, something about true crime, yeah. I think the diaper season was the best. An elite team of private detectives. What if balloons are aliens? Maybe that's the key component we're missing. Cover ups, John's guilty. Mysteries that need to be solved. Maybe Mormons need mountains. Richard, shut up. Like I said, today we're going to tackle a mystery that our client TZ Borden covered on his show, Tapes from the Dark Side. This case legit has the most rabbit holes I've ever seen in a case with these mysteries, even though it's impossible. Like half of the the theories, once you think about it, it's impossible. So I really do like that about this case. It's really funny that the media glommed onto so many ridiculous things and people believed it. So I really like that. He did a five-run episode of this. We're going to solve this in about an hour. So you're welcome, Mr. Borden. Thank you. (laughs) I did use a lot of his uh, podcast to research this, along with many upon many websites. So it's about the deaths of Dr. Gilbert Bogle and Mrs. Margaret Chandler. The bodies were found on the banks of the Lane Cove River in Australia after a New Year's Eve party on January 1st, 1963. Before we get into the mystery, let's do a little history. Gilbert Stanley Bogle was born on January 5th, 1924 in Wanganui, New Zealand. I hope I said that right. I'm terrible with pronouncing Wanganui, New Zealand. I think. I, I'm actually not sure. I, I got told I mispronounced 
a few of these. So I tried my best, but I think it is Wanganui. Wanganui. I'm, I'm cool with it. He was the fourth child of surveyor Archibald Hugh Bogle and Bertha Isabel Langley, who was a teacher. So Bertha was one of the first women of her era to earn a master's in mathematics. She was a huge influence on Gilbert's life, giving him a love for mathematics at an early age. In fact, I'm pretty sure one of Gilbert's siblings, I think his brother's name's George, if I can, didn't write it down, but he was an electrical engineer, another math-based profession. So she was a big part of their life. She, she did a service for them for sure, I think. In 1942, Gilbert entered Victoria University College to study physics. What was happening during 1942? Um, oh, I know this one. Uh, <laughs> slavery had just ended. Yes, it's slavery. Close. Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Okay. Oh, <laughs> okay. Fuck. Two really good guesses. Right. Let's see if Rick can hammer this one home. Uh, World War II. Yeah, <laughs> I knew you'd go serious. Uh... <laughs> they want to confuse everybody. If I don't say it, you're just going to continue on and no one's going to ever know I... what it actually was. They're gonna. Everyone's gonna think Columbus. That's all I can think about now. I'm. I'm <laughs> concerned. I'm not even gonna be able to follow this mystery. Let's just. Let's just change gears right now. We're gonna solve Columbus. I don't know what that means. Next week on <laughs> Private Dicks, Gilbert was eligible for war service in 1945, early 1945. But one of his professors convinced the authorities to allow Gilbert to stay and finish the studies. So it took him an extra little bit of time to finish his physics degree. But he finished an honor uh, after two with honors after two years. He graduates in 1946 and leaves for England, where he enters Oriel College as a Rhodes Scholar. Oriel College is part of Oxford University, and Oxford is considered one of the best universities in the world. And it's in England. Are you saying Oreo or are you saying L'Oreal, like the shampoo company? Like the shampoo is what I'm saying. No, it's Oreo. Oh, okay. Oreo okay. is what I'm saying. Oreo, not L'Oreal. That'd be a different kind of university. L'Oreal you just fucking hair swips and the fucking hey, wind. Hey, I'm thinking Rich went to that college because he's got some voluminous locks there. So <laughs> they are pretty all... beautiful. Road scholarship too is pretty considered one of the best prestigious scholarships mm-hmm. in the world. Many Nobel Prize winners and presidents among its alumni. Gilbert gets married on September 11th, 1950 in Essex to fellow Kiwi Vivian Mary Rich. She was also a graduate of Victoria College and she was a school teacher. Gilbert and Vivian had four children, one of which was born after his death. Gilbert and Vivian moved back to New Zealand in uh, 1952. From late 52 till late 1955, Gilbert had been lecturing physics at the University of Otago. Otago. Doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) I try my best. I don't know what to do. (laughs) You say it doesn't matter, but what if that's like the the linchpin to the case? Yeah. Exact pronunciation. Do you have the pen still? Write that down. (laughs) (laughs) All I have is this old photo of your grandparents. Is that okay to write it on that? Sure. Just on the front, on their faces. Oh, oh, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Bogle applied for a senior uh, research officer in the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization, CSIRO, Division of Physics at the National Standards Laboratory in Sydney, Australia. Oh, we're going to say CSIRO a lot in this. So how would you best describe that, Mr. Zed, Mr. Z? 
Fizi? Oh, yeah. It's kind of like the National Institute of, of Science or Health here. It's a government organization that does research. Gilbert gets this job. He gets it easily. He's, he's a very smart man. He's considered brilliant, actually. Uh, the couple moved to Australia to go towards this job in 1956. And from 56 to 62, Bogle worked for the CSIRO. He was working in radio physics. He was working with Mazers. We'll talk about Mazers in a little bit. Vivian didn't want to move to Australia from New Zealand. She uh, had all her friends and family still in New Zealand. And Australia was kind of a kick in the butt for her. But, you know, her mom and her friends were all in New Zealand. But Gilbert loved moving to Australia. He was both thriving, both professionally and socially. In 1962, Bogle was considered by his bosses uh, the most brilliant member of the staff. That's a quote. He was also considered one of the biggest flirts of the staff, too. Flirted with all the women. Dr. Bogle was working on masers, which is adjacent to lasers, but instead of amplifying light, it's a tool to amplify microwaves. I'm not really sure what that means. I just, I looked up what, what do you use a maser for? And it said satellite communications or air to air communication. Ricky, do you know what a maser is? In like, you're more of a science guy. Sounds like, I, I mean, I've never heard of a maser before, but if it's, if it's about microwave amplification, it sounds like, um, it's essentially just like a microwave gun that you just beam, point it at something, heat it up. Oh, sick. Not necessarily heat it up, but, you know, radiation. They had one of those in Fallout 4, and I went nuts with it. <laughs> See, I think this is yeah. where the, the most of the weirdness from that comes from, because it's not dangerous at all. It's just, like, for communication purposes. Like, it makes it sound like you're shooting a fucking microwave at someone, and you can, like, heat them up, but I don't think that's what it can do. I looked and... I don't know specifically if a maser can or cannot do that, but I can tell you that that is certainly a possible thing to do. And I can direct you to some YouTube videos Ooh. and it can fuck people up. Like it's not, it's not healthy. That would be cool though. If you had like a gun and like somebody like threw like unpopped popcorn in the air and you just had to pop as many of them <laughs> on the way. Like popcorn confetti. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great That'd idea. That'd be fucking sick. One of the uses was to amplify low noise in space so they would use microwave telescopes one of the one of the things they were doing was trying to find life in space fucking nerds yeah you guys ever hear of the havana syndrome yes actually i have and that's terrifying are you going to talk about it in this episode or no no not at all yeah the havana syndrome the u.s department of state um, had a bunch of employees going back to cuba because it was essentially a new diplomatic relation or, you know, going back to a diplomatic relationship with Cuba at some point, I think it was starting in like 2017, people started experiencing vertigo and head pain and all these crazy symptoms. Eventually in December of 2020, they concluded that it was microwave energy weapons, but they don't know necessarily who's doing it yet. Of course, there's a bunch of speculations out there, but yeah, it became a really big thing that people Whoa. were talking about. So that's the first thing I thought of when you said masers. What does it physically do to people? Everyone has their own theory, but one of the theories, and for the record, I'm just reading it directly off Wikipedia, is Russian responsibility hypothesis, that they believe that Russia has a history of researching, developing, and using weapons that cause brain injuries, such as the Cold War era Moscow signal targeting the American embassy in Moscow. So everyone Whoa. thinks it's Russia right now. The Moscow signal. That's crazy. Fucking Russia is so scary. What a bunch of assholes. Dang. 
of course they go for things that'll just explode your brain. You know what I mean? Like fucking dickheads. Just shoot yeah. a person like a like an American, you know? You might be ready to get into this, Richard, but Bogle was going to be moving to New Jersey at yes. Bell Laboratories, which kind of stirred up a lot of conspiracy theories. One of the things that did, because if he was going to work for the Americans, maybe he had classified information and maybe Australia or MI5 or somebody didn't want him to. So was... When I was reading, he was getting a two-year appointment at the quantum electronics at the Bell uh, Telephone Research Lab in New Jersey to work on anti-missile technology. So it's something, right? It, it falls in the mm-hmm. same line of that to me. Like, If you oh, guys yeah. have never heard of Russia's dead hand system, by the way, recommend looking that up at some point. Is that, is that where you sit on your hand until until it falls asleep? And then, yeah, uh, <laughs> mutually assured destruction. I, you know what? Maybe one day we'll do an episode fully on like secret Russian projects or something. That might be fun. Well, I don't think the hand, the sleepy hand thing's secret. I, think that. <laughs> I hadn't heard of that dead man's hand or no dead hand. Uh, to me, oh. that's called the stranger. Yeah, that's how I know it. Uh, the Russians aren't doing a very good job keeping that oh, secret. Oh, yeah. I thought this was related to nukes. This is tying back into the titties. Yeah, we're back there. Uh, RJ brought it back there a while ago. He was talking about dead hand. So the Russians invented that. Interesting. (laughs) That's a classic Russian move. That makes sense. Yeah. So he was about to go to America. Bogle CSRO actually got him a leave of absence, so he was going to come back. I guess in '66, '65. Uh, He never made it to America. He was found dead before he could go. Bogle was found dead with Margaret Olive Morfet. She was born on April 2nd, 1934 in Wentworthville, New South Wales. She was the daughter of Melville and Olive Morfette. Margaret loved surfing, and that was kind of like a rarity for women to participate in male-dominated sports like this in Australia back then. She was also a nurse, but I think by the time she died, she was a housewife. I don't know if she gave up the nursing. I don't really think she was still nursing, but I think she was just staying at home, getting kind of bored at home. That's correct. And she was even suffering a little bit of depression from the role as mother. Yeah. Postpartum. Yeah. And all. She married at 26 to, or sorry, she married 26 year old Jeffrey Arnold Chandler at the age of 22 on December 4th, 1957. They moved to a modest house in Croydon, which is, a, a, I guess it's a suburb of Sydney on the internet West side. They had two children after many miscarriages. So they're actually had a hard time conceiving. The couple both loved and bonded over vintage cars and dash hounds or wiener dogs. So there's a picture of Margaret in a fancy old car with three little wiener dogs behind her. And it's so cute. <laughs> Are you laughing at me liking dogs? Hey, just you and wieners. That's just funny. <laughs> I can tell that's the, that's the part of it that brought a smile to your face. It's true. You guys should have that as your mascot. A wiener dog. Oh, we definitely should put a wiener dog. We should redo this logo tonight. <laughs> Little Dick. <laughs> Little Dicky. Dicky the dog. Dicky the wiener yeah. dog. I like Fuck it. Yeah. I would say a wiener dog with like a detective hat would be pretty dope. Sick. Nice. Jeffrey was a solar radiometrist and were also worked at the CSIRO. He basically just took pictures of the sun, I guess, and space and of the radiation and just to study that kind of stuff out in the, out in the night sky dr bogle and the channel chandlers went to the csiro company barbecue just before christmas on december 21st 
1962. Ken and Ruth Nash were also attendees of this company barbecue. Ken had also worked at CSIRO. I'm pretty sure Ruth worked there too, if I'm not mistaken. I didn't really look too much into Ruth. I should look more into her. Gilbert and Margaret hit it off that night. They had met that night and they chatted and explored. I don't really know if they met earlier, but they, they seemed to think it was that night. I think they met. That, that was their first meeting. It was the yeah. Christmas party. Yep. Yeah. They chatted a bunch and actually Dr. Bogle took them around, took her for a little tour around the facility where the barbecue uh, was being held. It was kind of a little cute meetup. When the barbecue was winding down, the Nashes invited the barbecue attendees to come over for, to their house for a few after party drinks. While they were at the Nashes, Ken and Ruth invited the Chandler duo to the Nashes for their annual New Year's Eve party, which was 10 days away. They're both very excited for this. Apparently, I read that in a couple places, but like, I don't really know if Mr. Chandler was, Jeffrey was as excited as Ruth was to go. The Nashes were known to throw great parties. The invitees to this party had one catch. And they had to bring an original piece of art created by themselves to the party, whatever it was. So, like, if I invited you to a party and I said that, RJ, what would you bring? What I always <laughs> bring to a party, myself, and uh, an air of confidence against anybody who required me to bring anything else. <laughs> That's actually what Jeffrey bought. That's bought exactly well. what nice. Jeffrey brought. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Very nice. Did you murder your wife too? Yeah, did you murder no, your wife? <laughs> yeah, the, the plan for that was like to make weird conversation pieces so everyone would have a piece of art. Like, explain that. Like, I don't know. This seems kind of lame. It's known for these really good parties, but for me, I'd be like, you drew a doodle. Good for you. Can I drink now? For me, I feel like I'm just bringing like my trash. That's what, exactly what I was thinking. I would just get a yeah. bunch of trash tape it together and be like here it's yours now oh i wouldn't even tape it together i would just get there and pour my trash out on the floor that'd be the last time somebody asked me to bring art to their house you sound like fun at parties <laughs> i'm super fun at art parties i probably bring my nft collection i think nice that's easily brought oh, yeah do they have those in the 62 maybe not yeah <laughs> All right, I have a suspect. There's lots of suspects. <laughs> <laughs> it's Richard for saying that. 12 minutes joke. in. Yeah, Jeffrey writes in his book later, like he's got a book later, but he thinks that the Nashes invited him to the party, the New Year's Eve party, because Bogle's influence, because Bogle wanted to fuck Margaret. That's what Jeffrey thinks. Bogle wanted to smash his wife. And Nash's party would have been the perfect opportunity for him to like angle that in. But I, uh, I know for a fact that the feeling was mutual because after the barbecue, Margaret told Jeffrey that she was interested in fucking Gilbert. Jeffrey was all for it. Don't get me wrong. They had what he called, they had an arrangement. So they're just, that's like a nice 1960s way of saying they were swingers. All Jeffrey wanted was for he and his wife to be happy. And if strange poon or peen made them happy, that may, that's good for enough for him, which I kind of respect. You know, if you guys can have a healthy relationship and still go smashing like that, good for you guys. Yeah. This part of the story is like weird to me. TZ will have to explain a little bit better for me. So from what I understand, the Chandlers were, part, uh, were libertarians and part of a group called the Sydney Push. Uh, now, the Sydney Push is what's the hard to describe here. I don't think they like walked around and were like, we're the Sydney Push. Or did they? Like, did they have T-shirts? No. It, well, you know, the beards were kind of a thing. Uh, Jeffrey had a long, bushy beard, kind of like yeah. our uh, main, our investigator here. 
and so you could kind of tell them by uh you know what i think the closest thing in american culture i know you're canadian but you probably know what a hippie is yeah that's what i was gonna say it's kind of like counterculture hippie but a little you know. bit of politics thrown in so more liberal-minded communist thinking types that was the big that was actually the big thing in the 60s was the communist fear so if you were in the push you were kind of labeled as a you know not a little bit of an outcast a little bit of yeah for it was like kind of i would i would even kind of go as far as saying like punk rock hippie you know yeah but like intellectual yeah. at the same time it's not like hippies were dirty you know right right these guys were all like professors and a lot of professors a lot of yeah like beatnik beatnik in uh bohemian i guess America. it was just a weird part it was like a weird hippie thing where like they just didn't respect authority they didn't want to do that they didn't they rejected the family values they were against church censorship I don't know, free love libertarian stuff as long as you're not hurting somebody else and you're having fun that's all what it's about right antifa uh, antifa yeah <laughs> i don't know something like that maybe they never acted in it in any way you know it's just like intellectuals writing articles for magazines about their viewpoints on communism and it's just so anyway so all that to say that the chandlers were in an open relationship you know and if i may make one distinction yes is that this was a little bit more of jeffrey's scene he didn't drag his wife into it unwillingly i think she she was interested in it as well but it was definitely more of jeffrey seeking out these types of people and this type of thinking and his wife being interested but he had a few girlfriends margaret had only had that we know of she only had one other lover before Gilbert. the one yeah before gilbert so she was a little uninitiated and i think that's also what motivated quite a bit of jeffrey wanting to kind of you know let her have this chance and being totally open to going to this party you know there's a guy there she was interested in kind of like let's see if we can yeah and we'll know. find out in a little bit that he had a girlfriend on the side right now too so i might have like alleviated his guilt too to be like yeah for sure go fuck that guy and then i will dip out and go do my thing 100 percent. yep the push things like i was trying to like wrap my head around it i just didn't know if they were like calling themselves that was the hard part for me like or was this just the nickname given them to them after but uh i think they did refer to themselves at the time i could be mistaken but it was more informal no group t-shirts more uh parties and you know yeah they had a specific bar they all got together to and... yeah yeah that kind of thing definitely so the, now we're gonna go to the new year's eve party bogle jeffrey margaret all attended the nash's party at sorry the barbecue was just 10 days before the party so they didn't have time to prepare any art piece that's what Jeffrey said. I just don't think he wanted to bring anything really. So you have 10 days, you could draw something on a piece of paper in an hour. It doesn't have to be good. I don't think Margaret brought anything either. Before the New Year's Eve party, around 7 p.m., the Chandlers go to Margaret's parents' house to drop off their kids and they hung out with them for a little bit. Then they leave for the party a few hours later. The Chandlers and the Nashes lived about 20 minutes apart from each other. Dr. Bogle showed up first at the party at 9.30 and the Chandlers showed up a bit later at 10. Oh yeah, just an FYI, aside from the art that Bogle brought, which was like a little 
drawing thing i could show I'll, i could show you guys if you want but whatever he also brought his clarinet which tz didn't mention in his podcast but i do find that hilarious that's like some fucking anchorman moves you know he just pulls a what this yeah. he just plays it in front of everyone it's kind of funny. he likes to play his clarinet and sing for the ladies he was in the choir yeah um he was quite the distinguished gentleman yeah he did all sorts of things this guy was renaissance man yeah yeah cl- clarinet strikes me as like ner- nerdy sexy back then anyways still to this yeah. day i think i think like, like if you play the clarinet in high school you probably get made fun of but as soon as you leave high school and keep playing the clarinet you're considered hot you know what i mean like that's sexy no no I'm, I'm going with that's patently false that's- <laughs> There's no fucking way. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, yeah, we go back in time like 60 years. Sure, maybe that drops some whatever type of panties they wore back then. That I don't know. Probably like went from the knees to the nipples. But <laughs> these days, I these days you play the clarinet in front of a woman, it's gonna force her to start wearing underwear like that. <laughs> well, I okay. think it's very much a case of the eternal rule of not being creepy which is be good looking and then Ah, also don't be that helps bad looking dude man if i was if i was hot like that i would be such an idiot like i would i would love that just intentionally though too like that was so it's so much power just like sitting in front of a woman and making her listen to you shittily play clarinet for an hour and a half. Yeah, just not even good at it. You just found it. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah. Just like trying to seriously play it off. I think he was pretty good at it, though. I get like kind of Bill Clinton saxophone vibes. For sure he was. He was Bogo in all sorts was. of musical things. Bogo was smooth. Yeah. Was he more of a swinger or more of a washer? He was, he was more of a clarinet player. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, he was a swinger for sure. I would imagine he'd be down for anything, honestly. I bet you Bogle would be down to watch if you wanted him to. Well, and just to keep in mind, too, it was Jeffrey and Margaret were married. They were the swingers. Bogle and his wife, Vivian, were not swingers. Bogle was just cheating on his wife, and she didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Bogle okay. Had, Bogle had a number of affairs. It was kind of an open secret, but his wife claims that she was not aware. The Nashes always loved their New Year's Eve parties and ensured to invite an eclectic group of intellectuals so they could have good conversations. They'd make sure to invite people from different professions and backgrounds. Still sounds nerdy to me. There's approximately 20 people at this party. I think there's 24. I've seen different things. I think TZ said 24, so I'm going to go with that. At this party, Margaret thought it was a good time to hit on Gilbert or vice versa, either way. Uh, Almost instantly, Gilbert and Margaret are talking to each other at the party. Jeffrey had been having an affair with a 24-year-old University of Sydney secretary named Pamela Logan. Uh, It was a secret affair, but I think Margaret getting some from Gilbert was like she knew and this was like her way of feeling better about the whole thing. I don't know if she was fully in like he said. I think she saw this like, okay, well, he's fucking that girl. Whether he's not telling me or not, this is my like I can do this too today. I think even Gilbert says, I think even Jeffrey says that story later on in his book that she would have probably just been happy settling with a normal life, but I had my ways and she was playing along basically. Pam was at a different New Year's party. So Jeffrey leaves to go get smokes is what he says. And then he decides he's going to go pop in at the other party where Pamela is. It's at his friend Ken Buckley's house, who's a university professor and our lecturer in economic history. This party had about 100 people, and it was more Jeffrey's type of people. It was the Sydney Push people. 
it would have been a lot crazier of a party, more getting hammered, doing shots, kind of stuff that actually sounds fun. It took Jeffrey about a half an hour to get to this party. So he really couldn't find smokes that night. You know what I mean? He really went on a trip for SIGs. He meets up with Pam. The two of them leave the party and they go smash it out at Pamela's house, at Pam's apartment or whatever. And at about 2 a.m., Jeffrey heads back to the Nash party, making it there around 2.30 in the morning. I don't know if he was just sexed out or whatever, but Jeffrey just ends up leaving the party alone after having a drink with his wife. I don't know if he's just tuckered out or if he's just over the night. Gilbert and Margaret were both getting along swimmingly and Gilbert promised to bring Margaret home back to her house safe later in that evening or early in the morning. Jeffrey agreed to this arrangement, even offering to pick up his kids at his in-laws house and keeping the kids elsewhere so that Gilbert and Margaret could have their sexy time at the Chandler house alone. Jeffrey leaves and heads back to Pamela's house. He gets there at about 4.30 a.m. Pam's pissed. She didn't think he was coming back. It's fucking 4.30 in the morning. I'd be pissed too. But then I guess Jeffrey just explains the whole situation to Pam's like, "Ah, Margaret's out fucking. I just want to give her the night. You know what I mean? She gets dressed, makes some coffee, and they get in the car, go drive to his in-laws together. The, The Pamela and Jeffrey... Pam hides. She doesn't go, but they go grab the kids about five in the morning. They all pack up the car, head to Pamela's house again for breakfast and for a quick nap. Jeffrey and the kids end up back at his house around 10 a.m. Jeffrey notices that Margaret isn't back yet, but he decides to go to bed because he just thinks Gil and Margaret are getting it on somewhere. Let's go back to the Nash party for just a second here. Like I said, this party sounds lame. With only 24 people that were there, only they only drank 16 beer, a bottle of gin, and a bottle of vodka. Gilbert and Margaret both leave at 4.20. That's the last time anyone ever saw the couple. At 7 a.m., a pregnant Vivian Bogle, who had stayed home with her sick child the night before, calls Nash's, the Nashes, and Ruth picks up. Viv is worried about her husband, but Ruth talked her down and told her not to worry. The party just kind of ended not that long ago. Maybe he'll be home soon. He probably just stopped on the side of the road to sleep one off or take a rest or something. Bogle was officially found first at about 8.30 a.m. near Fuller's Bridge by a kid walking to meet up with his friends so they could go looking for golf balls at a nearby golf course. The kid walked past Bogle's dead body thinking whoever it was was just drunk, sleeping one off, naked on a riverbed like any good Australian man after a New Year's Eve party. Is that that common in Australia? It would have to be. Have you talked to Australians? Uh, Yeah, that's fair. I mean, we're just not sure that Australia is even real, you know? That's true. That's a good point. To be fair to the, the kid, he didn't look half naked. They didn't, he was covered. Uh, about an hour later, the kid, now with his friend, on their way back, uh, they realized that the man hadn't moved. So they went closer to investigate. The man's face was purple and he had blood trickling down his right nostril. There was no signs of violence. The kids ran to a kiosk at a nearby national park and brought the attendant down to see what they'd just seen. The kiosk attendant knew instantly that they'd seen a dead body, so the attendant then runs back to his little kiosk and calls the police, who arrive at about 10, 10 a.m. That's wildly efficient. Why would you get the kiosk? Like, what the fuck is the National Park attendant going to do if he just has to then go back and call the police? Why wouldn't he just call the police? Well, they probably think those damn kids making shit up or whatever. I don't know. That's no, that's dumb. That's so dumb. <laughs> I I agree. That's, that's like, uh, like, okay. I used to work at a movie theater when I was a kid and I, I, I caught someone getting their dick sucked in the front row of a movie theater. Sick. Front row. That's bold. 
I curse myself to this day instead of just letting it go or like whatever, leaving it or something. I I went and told my manager who was basically the same age as me. Like there was no adult present, it felt like. Like it just, it, so then like instead of like just either letting it go or actually just calling the cops myself, I'm just offloading that to somebody equally as ineffective. That's just the same vibe I get by going and telling the, the national park attendant. Yeah, it's, it, it's their kids, though. I don't know how old they were. Do you know TZ? They must have been young enough. I think like around 12, yeah. 11, 12 or something. Then you'd still, like I have a 12-year-old. He would have definitely known to call the cops. He would have been like, call the police. So By that age, you should have an iPhone. So why didn't they do yeah, that? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Why didn't they have losers? Should have taken losers. pictures and posted them up for us. God damn Fucking it. poor kids ruin everything. <laughs> When the police arrived, they discovered that Dr. Bogle was half nude from the waist down, face down with a two foot by three foot square of carpet covering him and a suit jacket and pants folded on top of that. No one knows for sure what the carpet was for, but it is assumed it was in Bogle's trunk and he used it for outdoor sexual encounters such as this one. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. There's some evidence that Bogle was all about the outdoor nature sex. His one arm was under him. The other one was over his head at a 90 degree angle. His legs were straight out to back towards him and his feet, his toes were straight down. They find his identification in his wallet and discover the body belonged to the 38 year old doctor. The police then searched the surrounding area. And about 45 minutes later, which I found shocking, they find Margaret Chandler's body. She was about 15 meters or 50 feet away, laying face up in a shallow dip beside the river. Her skirt was bunched up around her waist. Her bra pulled down, exposing her titties with some beer boxes covering the rest of her. Her underwear and shoes were some distance away. And Bogle's underwear was sitting between her bare feet. There was no handbag or any type of an identification on Margaret, so it took a little while to identify her. The scene smelt of vomit and shit, as they had both puked and shit. <laughs> hell of a conclusion you're making it's, there. Yep, it didn't just smell that way. They saw it, and it was everywhere. True. Margaret had some cuts on her shoulders, and she had a little cut on her nose. But other than that, there were no signs of violence. It was assumed that the cuts on Margaret are from like falling over and running away. Uh, the police did a terrible job securing the scene on this one. The government medical officer arrived, uh, didn't arrive on scene until about 1.30 p.m. to inspect the bodies at the site. By that time, the scene had already been like mangled. They let a reporter skulk around taking photos to the point where the reporter got so close they almost tripped over Margaret's body. One officer just went through Bogle's jacket and that was draped over him, took out all the contents of his pockets, folded the jacket and placed it nicely beside his body. The cop just said, I was just looking for signs of violence. They'd also like rolled him over two or three times before anybody had actually taken any pictures. Oh man, I know what happened. The cops, the cops shit and puked everywhere. <laughs> then blamed it on them. Whoever smelt it dealt it. Right? Yeah, That's yeah. right. It was the kids. The police didn't interview any of the guests at the Nash party for like two days. And before they can interview anyone, Ken Nash let reporters go into his house to take a look around. The police, to their credit, did get divers to go check and see if there's any evidence of a poison bottle because of no violence in the actual river. Somebody maybe thrown something in there. The divers didn't get too far, though, because there was so much mud and pollution in the water that they gave up pretty much 
instantaneously. I don't think they made it too long in there. The newspapers then reported that the cause of death was poisoning, even though there was no real evidence of that at that time. There's actually no evidence of any poison or venom found during autopsy blood work anytime. Their blood alcohol level was very low, which was consistent with the lame party I described earlier. No food poisoning, nothing like that. The autopsies didn't happen for a day and a half because of the holiday. So there was less chance of them finding any type of poison anyway. Time of death was hard to determine, but it was estimated for Bogle around 5 a.m. Uh, and the same, but potentially a couple hours longer for Margaret. During this time in Sydney, there was a tabloid news war going on. And they were having a who can print the most outrageous thing war already. But then the Chandler Bogle mystery was perfect fodder for this. Two semi-naked people having an affair end up dying in a river. There's a pretty good one for them. And it gets more and more crazy as it goes. There's a few things that were known for sure. Actually, it's probably just one. They had to have died from some sort of poisoning because they're both young, relative good condition, health, and there was no violence, no stab wounds, no gunshot wounds, no bludgeon damage, nothing. They must have died from the same thing, whatever it was, because they're both dead at the same time. Other than that, the rest is hard to confirm. There was an inquest into the death of Dr. Bogle and Mrs. Chandler on May 1963. This part's pretty funny about the investigation on this too. <laughs> TZ can help me get through this a little bit. The medical examiner, his name was J.J. Loomis, and he headed the inquest. He didn't want to hear anything about, because it was so in the papers at this point, talking about the sexual angle of it, that J.J. Loomis is like, I don't want to get this muddied up with any sexual talk in any of this inquest. So he like shut down anything that had to do with sex, even though this is like, they went to go bone beside a river. You have to talk about sex. So much of the inquiry just didn't do anything. The inquest, sorry, just didn't do anything. It didn't give any answers at all. The, one of the guys literally says like, I know just as much now as I did when I started. It's almost impossible. How does that make sense that I know just as much now as I did when I started this inquest? So much information, so much misinformation. The police interviewed over 200 people in this case, but no hard evidence was ever found. This case ends up going cold, and it's one of the biggest mysteries in Sydney history. Many people have tried to solve it. Some think they have. TZ tried to solve it, and he's got a couple good leads. We're going to go over the theories and put this to bed for you, TZ. I got your back. All right. Thanks, guys. What do you think, RJ? Without knowing any of the theories, what's your go-to? Who do you think? Um, well, I mean, like, we got we got a scorned woman. That feels a little obvious, though. A very pregnant scorned woman. Yeah. I mean, and if I if my husband was, was cheating on me and and leaving a party i'd i'd poison him with and his mistress with some untraceable poison and then puking shit all over their bodies <laughs> i'd be that mad it's a good point she wasn't at the party though so she must have had someone set him set him up well i can't come up with theories if you're gonna apply logic to him come on <laughs> oh, okay, <sorry. laughs> you leave logic out of this you son of a bitch <laughs> all right see you guys later he's like no that's a compulsion i can't abide that yeah, yeah. i have no control over my logic how i go through this usually is i try to do some ridiculous ones off the top and then the serious ones near the end so we're going to start with ones that don't even really make sense but they have been probably said at some point theory number one murdered by someone random maybe they just came upon something they shouldn't have found near the riverbed then the surprised assassin sweet talks them and poisons them somehow. It uh, doesn't really make sense. I don't really, the poison, like if it's poison, it's really hard to like sneak attack someone with poison. 
and then then you get you feel bad i guess you just cover them up and fold their clothes beside them shit sorry dude wait what do you mean by sneak attack somebody with poison? well how you, if you're just if you catch someone doing something in the act of something you can't poison them like how's that gonna work like you have to sneak it sorry i should have said that wrong you have to sneak attack someone with poison that's the way you couldn't just be caught doing something fucked up at the riverbed and then get poisoned. I feel like if it was like an aerosol, I could just like and walk away. I guess that's true. Is that how you murder your targets, Rick? If, if you look at what the Russians do with the... <laughs> do you? Is that, do you look at what the Russians do? Yeah. I mean, I would use, I, you know, you, you have to use government states as a, as a model for how to correctly perpetrate all of your crimes and not get caught. Well, of course, you're bound to do that as a government assassin so <laughs> i know what you're saying but that would be very specific person to catch somebody doing something you'd have to fucking catch someone with an aerosol spray poison you know what i mean like unless unless one of them were a target for some reason and it has nothing to do with the fact of the sex that's true but this one's called random person there is one that's coming up that's non-random people all right i'm, I'm out on random person but i'm not out on poison <laughs> poison's definitely it though see so i'm right <laughs> well this is fun guys yeah poison's in but a random person is out i think yeah. oh unless are you counting it could an alien be a random person oh it's an alien i'm random. totally down with aliens and i'm glad you brought did that he up. know the alien beforehand no then it's a random mm, alien then it's random yeah Aliens yeah. are people too. <laughs> yeah, an alien, an alien would be a random thing, and maybe the alien just being around it would poison you, right? And you heard the ma- they 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 shot the masers into space, and the alien heard, Ooh. and he tried to track him down. Ooh, then maybe it wasn't a random alien. I mean, we're talking about a promiscuous fella here. Maybe he was fucking that alien, and the alien got jealous. And it wasn't puke or shit at all. That's just alien come. But was the were they assigned alien at birth? Or is he not? Yes, self-assigned alien at birth. Yeah, we don't know. That's true. So we can keep alien on the table. I'm cool with it. But there might be a more logical one coming up. Is the alien you're talking about not not a real alien? It sounds like somebody from that sounds like a term legal terminology of somebody from another country. <laughs> Because uh, I was I was thinking space alien, not like a dude from like Argentina. Extraterrestrial. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Yeah. The next theory, Satan. The Sunday Telegraph reported that the CSIRO was deeply embedded in the occult. Uh, Nash's party was some type of black magic or like satanic ritual or something. Biggest problem with this is the Satan's not real um at all. Oh yeah, cool. So that's the biggest problem with that one. But even if it was real and like Satanists we're doing this and it's not for whatever their party would be cool. It wouldn't be a lame fucking 16 beer party. It would be fun party. Very true. That's true. Also Satanists wouldn't do that. I I've come to learn they're very cool people. Yeah. Satanists are cool. This theory is just dumb. So that's just what they would do in the sixties. They go like, uh, Satan. That's just, you know, satanic panic. That was later on, but still Satan was definitely one of the theories they threw out there. Uh, next one's murder suicide. The problem with this theory is that the bodies, like, sure, they could have one person could have tricked them, gone out there to kill them and then kill themselves, or they they didn't mean to, or whatever the fuck they, that could have happened. But the biggest problem with this is like the bodies were covered up after they were found, and like you can't really 
suicide yourself and then cover yourself up with like a little square of carpet afterwards and then fold your shit and put it on top of the carpet. If it was poison, you could. If it's like slow acting enough where that's what you're thinking about, like I'm about to die right now, better fold my trousers. Yeah. Oh, what okay. are you going to do if you know you're dying? I don't know. Probably oh, your family fucking loser. I'm going to fold my <laughs> pants. Oh, fair. Fair enough. Well, I think the folding of the pants is possible, but I think the question is of lying face down at an angle, draping your pants over you very neatly. And then underneath the pants is that carpet very neatly placed on you too. So it would, it would maybe be possible, but it would be hard to kind of position yourself. How dare you? I'm super good at folding my pants. <laughs> through God, all is possible. Uh, that is that a good argument. That's true. Through, through Satan as well, apparently. All right, but but maybe it wasn't them who moved the, the carpet. So maybe they did commit, it was a murder-suicide, and somebody else covered their bodies up. I just don't think the murder-suicide, there's no, there's no motive to that, really. They were going to go fuck. Like, I don't, they just met 10 days before. There's no reason to have any type of murder or suicide in this entire thing maybe it was just some craziness like the guy just snapped or she just snapped either one of them and they just wanted to do it that way but i don't feel like snapping is a poison game you know snapping's like a stab someone 52 times game that's just where i land with that but you maybe- know, i'm thinking about that the way that you just said that imagine if instead of like concealed carrying a weapon you just use all the time have some poison on you just in case just like a spray bottle ready to fuck somebody up hell yeah <laughs> america yeah you just fucking got arsenic, like just like a big tank of arsenic on your hip with a cowboy hat walking through a Walmart. Fuck yeah. yeah. So that changes who I think did it because it's definitely uh, somebody that works for like pest control. That dude, he had a spray <laughs> nozzle ready to go and he, he was ready to hose yeah. him down. Yeah, I'm with Rick because I can't get rid of the image of arsenic cowboy in my head. So <laughs> that's not too far from one of the leading theories. Arsenic cowboy, yeah. Well, just a, a spray of gas. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, mean, oh, I don't I don't want anything to do with it if Cowboy isn't involved. <laughs> uh, next theory is double suicide. There's a theory out there that this was a suicide pact. Satan, again, being one of the reasons. But also, Jeffrey said that Margaret was kind of down in the dumps lately. They were settling into married life with kids in the suburb. And, like, the excitement of her old life is just gone. It's fading away kind of thing. She didn't really seem too unhappy, like from what other people had said. Not suicidal, but I mean, we we just did Kurt Cobain. He didn't look suicidal either, you know, but maybe Margaret didn't know about Pam and maybe she was super depressed about it. Like maybe she wasn't taking it as well as Jeffrey claims. Jeffrey's the one who claims that she was in an open, they were in an open relationship. I had a friend once, I uh, went to a, a bachelor party. And he was like, I'm going to fuck one of these strippers tonight. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what's your wife think of that? And he's like, me and my wife are in an open relationship. And I said, does your wife know? And he didn't really have a good answer to that. So lots of people say they're in open relationships. Does that mean they actually are? Maybe. That's a good point. Wait, uh, well, don't, don't leave us hanging. Did he fuck the stripper? No. He's never going to be able to fuck a stripper. So did his wife ever know? They don't have an open relationship. My point is he was talking about how he could just bang girls. And no, you can't. You're a married man. You would never do it. You're talking shit. Unlike the people in our story. Who were. <laughs> 100%. No, no question. Because he wrote a book. It's got to be true. 
I think she knew and fucking Bogo's way of evening the relationship out. There's another piece of evidence that throws this away. Margaret got some worm pills from a lady. Okay. Worm pills? Worm. To get rid of worms or to give you a tapeworm to lose weight? Yes, to give you a tapeworm to lose weight. Australia's <laughs> a wild place. Australia's a wild place, tapeworm man. Tapeworm pill. Yes. <laughs> they got a little mini tapeworm in each little pill. No, it's obviously get rid of worms, but for dogs. And it's called hide her ex. Hide her ex. Hide her ex. Think about it. The media got wind of Miss Posse's story and ran her name in the front page of the paper with the headline, she sold the pills for the suicide pact and like put her name right in the paper. My God. The amount of hide her ex you'd have to take to kill yourself is outrageous. Like it's too much. It would be, you'd have to take a lot. You'd have to give the other person a lot and then take shit tons. There'd be no like sneaking that past. Double suicide, you guys would be drinking a lot of worm pills. I don't really know about the double suicide, but never know. This is where we start getting into ones that are a little more serious. Theory, Jeffrey Chandler. We'll just start with him. He was considered a suspect almost instantaneously. This is common in true crime. Uh, the, the husband always did it. It's usually 99% of murders of men and women, I would assume, or a husband and wife would be the husband murdering the wife. I don't know if 99% is high enough, but it's close. So he was questioned a lot of times by the police. And the day they discovered Margaret dead, they picked up Jeffrey at his house and brought him to the police station for questioning about 3 p.m. Remember, he had just gotten home around 10 a.m. So he was fucking tuckered right out from an evening. And when they sat him down in the interrogation room, the police dropped the afternoon paper in front of him just to see how he reacted. And the headline was that his wife was dead. And they were just like sitting there like, how's he going to react Jeffrey, the ever anti-establishment guy he was, didn't give them what they wanted. He just was like, I don't know what happened, and I don't know anyone that would want to hurt her. That's all he said. Didn't really react in a howling cry like they wanted him to. So that didn't satisfy the police. They ended up holding him for questioning that day for like 10 hours. Two days after his wife died, Jeffrey tells Margaret's brother that he might be responsible for her death. And her brother's like, what? What he meant to say for that was like, maybe he wasn't making her happy anymore. So she went and committed suicide. Maybe she didn't like his arrangement anymore. But the police noted this after the brother went and told them that's pretty suspicious. The Australian media heard wind of Bogle and Chandler or were having an affair that night and they died. And Jeffrey was chastised basically for the rest of his life. The media also loved Jeffrey for the murders. He refused to give any interviews and he went into hiding this only fueled the fire more for the media. The bearded bohemian must have killed his wife. Look at him. He's got a beard. The media literally used his beard as an excuse. Like, he's got a beard. He's got to be the one. Yeah, you can't trust motherfuckers with beards. That's true. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. In 1969, a couple of years after quitting his job at the CSIRO, Jeffrey Chandler wrote a book, So You Think I Did It, which is basically OJ's inspiration for If I Did It. <laughs> <laughs> So you think I did? It's like terrible too. Like, my God. Anyways, he told his side of the story and theorizes that the government was in some way responsible for the deaths of his wife and Dr. Bogle. He was very anti-establishment, like I said. So it was probably the only thing that made sense to his conspiracy-minded brain. Uh, and it's very conservative in Australia at the time. So to the police, it was inconceivable, even the media, the police and the media, that Jeffrey would just be okay with Margaret going to fuck Gilbert. They're like, that doesn't make sense at all. The fact that Jeffrey knew and wasn't jealous of his wife fucking another man made him an even bigger suspect in the minds of the police. What? Why? Because yeah, it doesn't make sense. He's lying, obviously. So he's a big liar. So he's obviously guilty. 
Nobody wants to do that. I mean, it's, the, it's 1960, man. I don't get it either. Like, why not let them have their fun? He was a Chad, but they thought he was a cuck, basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a funny way to put it. <laughs> so then the police can't get anything out of Jeffrey. So they go over to, because his story is I was with Pam all night. So they go to interrogate Pamela for hours, trying to break her story, but she never breaks either. So Jeffrey's alibi is basically airtight, unless they were in collusion. The fact that Jeffrey went back to the house after fucking Pamela just for a drink and to send his wife off with Jeffrey seems suspicious to the police as well. Why did you go back? So you can follow them, see where they're going. Did you bring Pamela with you and make her your fucking excuse for the whole night? I don't know. Maybe just follow them back to the riverbank. I don't know about that. It seems like... I honestly, after all I've read about this and listened about this, I do think that they were had an open relationship, if I'm going to say the truth. And I don't think he had any type of animosity towards his wife or Dr. Bogle. Well, that's just from my readings. I he could he just could be lying the whole time. You know what I mean? Like he could just because who wants to admit to murder if you can get away with it? Just be quiet. What do you guys think about Jeffrey? Mm. The showing the the random plan and showing up at like four in the morning when it seemed like Pam was upset about it and that was out of character makes me think it was not a normal event, even if they're normally swingers. Yeah, it wasn't though. Cause it was like really planned that night when they got there, Jeffrey and uh, Gilbert, I guess, talked amongst each other saying, you're going to bring her home. You can use our house and everything. So like, they didn't really have a full blow play. They just knew they were going to get smashed at some point. They didn't really know how it was going to work. Right. You gonna suck my dick yeah. when I don't know. Let's figure out the details later. Remind me again, who was the clarinet player? Bogle, the, the oh, okay. doctor who died. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Should I keep moving on? Go to the next one. You got anything else, TZ? Am I doing well here? I did. I did this all. Yeah, no. Good. I I think you've got the facts down. Yeah, Jeffrey, you really hammered home the the point that Jeffrey was the main suspect from everybody, from the the media, the police you know, the Australian public and um, yeah, the evidence really doesn't show that Jeffrey was guilty. We see that in the inquest. It was never tried in a, it was never actually tried in court because they didn't have enough evidence to even try the ca- a case against him. Yeah. One big thing that was really convincing to me is Jeffrey was questioned probably dozens of times he had to tell this story and his story remained consistent from the beginning, which would be very rare if you were making things up as you go along. And then the, uh, the opportunity, unless he had poisoned his wife's drink and Bogle's drink with something at the party, he never had an opportunity to go to the river or have a, what we were talking about, the little spray poison bottle or something. He, he wasn't there. Um, they tracked his, he drove a silver Vauxhall automobile, which was very distinct. And they tracked that car Two witnesses, saw it driving that night from, you know, back to his girlfriend's house, back to um, pick up his kids in the morning. And then his girlfriend testified she was with him that night. She confirmed that Margaret's parents confirmed when he picked up the children so there was never any, uh, let's just say this, if Jeffrey had done it, it was like the perfect crime because yeah. he left, uh, he would have had to have been just like cold hearted serial killer type with no conscious able to pull off something like this and, and just very, uh, 
very planned, very, very methodical. So it doesn't seem, yeah, that's all I'll say. It's just the evidence doesn't seem to show Jeffrey was guilty. What, what if, what if he poisoned the clarinet? <laughs> and then, and then me, okay, me, I'm a, I'm a cool doctor who plays clarinet to seduce ladies in the sixties. I'm shoving that clarinet in her pussy at some point. Well, that's a wrong right? guy. That's a wrong guy. That's, a... that's the doctor who actually died. Guy. So that would go into the yeah. double suicide part. So he just shoved it in yeah, both. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Down at the river, yeah. he took the yeah. clarinet. Like right. He's like, milady. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually, yeah. Never been thought of before. Possible. You did it. All right. We can, we can back burner it, but I'm going to bring it up again later. Okay, so. good. Uh, here's one you're going to like, RJ, because you kind of brought it up earlier. And I, I don't know. I didn't read this anywhere. I just kind of was thinking about this a lot more. There's a lot of sexism when it comes to murder. Okay. I'm going to tell you right now, women are the number one killer with poison of their uh, opposite sex. It guys usually stab, break necks, stuff like that. Women poison. So that being said, I'm going to go with Vivian Bogle. Mrs. Bogle was heavily pregnant at home with three kids at the night of the party. So she was out of suspicion early in the investigation. Dr. Bogle had many affairs over the years. Vivian had no clue about the affairs, unlike the swinging Chandlers. TZ reported that Gilbert had affairs with five of his co-workers' uh, wives. Gilbert would lie to his wife all the time about his movements and his whereabouts. So this gives a bit of credence to the jilted lover theories. Maybe the sexist Australians underestimated a pregnant woman. And she found out about his affairs and was not too impressed. She packed all the kids in the car. Let them sleep as she drives to the Nashes in the middle of the night, pissed. She passes Bogle's car going the opposite way, turns around to follow him. When she catches up to him again, she sees his car parked and goes secretly to confront him. Then she kills both Margaret and Gilbert in a fit of rage. Then Vivian feels bad because she didn't want to kill them. So she shamefully covers them up and goes to put the sleeping kids in the car back at home in bed. And for an alibi, she calls the Nashes in the morning all worried I just don't think you can rage kill someone with poison. That's the only thing I haven't thought out. Like you can't rage kill someone with poison. Well, RJ brought up the clarinet. She <laughs> knew, but she knew her husband yeah. liked to stick that thing there right up there. Exactly. And yeah. And, and, and so, mm. so maybe Jeffrey still poisoned the clarinet and maybe she knew and she was like, you're going to blow on this motherfucker. So maybe she also had a gun, but didn't use it. Oh, wow. We're just freestyling at this point, yeah. but I'm feeling I'm feeling like I'm on fire. <laughs> You're on you fire. Think, you are on fire. This is like NBA Jam, and you got flames coming out of you, bro. I actually have heard no proof whatsoever that it could be her. To me, it sounds like she has no involvement whatsoever. It kind of seems when I hear these elaborate like drive one way, see another thing, kill them, drive back, put the kids. I legitimately made that up. No, no, no. I'm, I know. I'm just saying, like when you have to like. Well, thinking through these, if it sounds too difficult to do in like normal fashion, it probably is not what happened. No, you're right. Well, right. that's that's the logical. I don't know, man. You ever you ever been Are cheated you... and and or you ever been cheated on and pregnant? Yes. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, who hasn't? Yeah. Right? So, but obviously, Rick. <laughs> so he just doesn't understand. Yeah, you don't understand the emotional roller coaster of that. I don't. I'm not following. We've all killed a baby daddy or two. You gotta <laughs> catch up, Rick. It's fair. Uh, it's surprising, too. You look like you've been pregnant. Anyways, theory, Margaret Fowler. Wow. <laughs> Such a weird insult. <laughs> it's not. It's stupid. 
Uh, the police did go after one of Bogle's lovers, Margaret Fowler. <laughs> Fowler used to work at the CSIRO in the radio physics library. This is where she met Dr. Bogle. Uh, Margaret and Bogle had a relationship for three years. This seemed to be a very toxic relationship and it didn't last. As you can see, Fowler claimed that Bogle liked to have outdoor sex. So that's where the whole carpet square mm. Bogle perv enough to have a carpet in his trunk comes from. I don't know why, just because he liked to have outdoor sex, they thought he would have a carpet. Like, did she see the carpet? I don't think so. She never said she saw a carpet. Well, here I can fill you in is that in the trunk of Bogle's automobile was a missing two by three piece of carpet that it looked like he had oh, cut so that much. out and kind of rolled it in a little thing and he had a whole it sounded like he had a whole routine down for that is super creepy park, and that creepy. is park fucking yes yeah, yeah. so, i was just gonna say it's so gross park yeah it's super weird <laughs> if you're gonna do like, it just get dirty that is pretty gross that's a good point too that carpet was probably disgusting yeah maybe it? that's what killed him <laughs> rotting six-year-old cum well, yeah, but like also like that's so like if you're going to be that dedicated to like fucking outdoors, like at least buy a separate carpet for that. Why yeah. cut it out of the back of the fucking car, you psychopath? Because you can hide it from the wife that way. He just puts it back where it went and you're like none the wiser. I mean, pal, if if you got a rolled up carpet in your trunk and your wife's like, what's that? And knows it's for fucking she's guilty of something. Nobody puts it back where it was cut out. So you can't see that it's real. Well, also with Margaret Fowler detail, the one, uh, another woman Bogle was having sex with that Richard mentioned. So I have this quote that she gave police that during one of their affairs in Bogle's office, he allegedly told her, quote, I only like you when you don't talk. And then he slapped her in the face. Yeah. God damn. And they, they finished having sex after that too. Yeah. That's she, the, he slapped her in the face and turned around, finished, sent her on her way. Did she have an annoying voice? It's Australian accent. It's damn. fucking annoying for sure. But he still banged her. Yeah. That is the power of clarinet, baby. And, <laughs> and to add to this. So yeah, Bogle was not, sounds like he was a little fucked up. So he, he knew she was in love with him because she would tell him that. And she showed up while he was playing cricket one day, got out, walked up, hysterically crying. And um, Bogle was like, you know, get the fuck out of here. And she's just like sprawled out on the ground crying, saying she loves him. And so this. Yeah, she threw a hissy fit. Fuck with a man's cricket game. I mean, that's on her. Yeah, true. Actually, can't argue with that. In the middle of my cricket game? Pow! <laughs> yeah, apparently she was married too, and she had a husband who was a chemical engineer. So the newspaper went after the poor husband as well, mm. saying that he gave, probably killed Bogle with some super secret poison he made up, and Margaret just would have been collateral damage. As soon as you said chemical engineer, that's where my brain went. But maybe, maybe it's just because I'm a shitty journalist at heart. I don't know. There's actual good theories coming out. I'm sorry, I just there's so many of them. I told you I'm doing lots of them. Next one, this one's for RJ. Dr. Bogle was assassinated because he was involved in top secret advanced weaponry. This is what Mrs. Bogle suggested to the police and the media, that her husband was murdered because of his scientific research. Bogle's boss reassured the police that they were researching, had nothing to do with national security, and 
he would don't worry about him he wasn't doing anything bad but tz says it perfectly in his podcast like wouldn't that be exactly what you'd say if you're a fucking spy he'd be like no you can't disprove it by someone saying he wasn't a spy it's like the classic conspiracy theory thing like you can never really disprove it because yeah, it just sure. becomes part of the conspiracy yeah newspaper ran with this anyway but he was a physicist and it was cold war like it was the world was in the middle of witnessing cold war it wasn't a huge leap for them to think he was actually working on something secret like this the government would obviously be taking their smartest scientists to be combat the fucking commies we don't want to fucking have any commies coming around here the media not really knowing what bogle researched thought that he might be developing something akin to a death ray and we know what he researched already we talked about it the mazers i know it sounds cool but apparently it's not a weapon that's just the media wanting to jump on the spy thing, I think. I don't think that has any grounds yeah. at all. But you never know. He was going to America to fucking fight down some uh, anti-missile weapons, too. So Maybe maybe he was doing a top-secret research project on, the, on, on fucking in, in the grossest place possible so that it kills people. <laughs> Cutting a square of your carpet out and fucking <laughs> in a swamp and, and then dying. You're making a joke? You're so right and you don't even know it. That's the best part of what you're doing right now. <laughs> yeah, there's there's an Australian sniper outside my window right now. <laughs> it's hilarious how right you are and you're going to laugh so hard. Theory, selling American nuclear secrets to the Russians. Clifford Dalton was the head of the research establishment of the Australian Atomic Energy Commission. He died of cancer in 1961. He was friends with Gilbert Bogle. His wife, Catherine Dalton, wrote a book called Without Hardware, where she claims her husband was killed with poison by Americans for helping the Dutch acquire nuclear and rich fuel. Catherine Dalton suggested that Dr. Bogle was likely killed by the Americans for giving away their atomic secrets. So maybe there's something to this. Bogle's FBI file still classified to this day. 18 pages of classified Bogle stuff in America. I meant to write this down when TZ was talking about it. He's, he kind of figured it out-ish. He thinks about what the FBI stuff was, but you can never really know without actually looking at it, right? Um, so, so maybe, maybe he was uh, did was killed off by the Americans because he was giving away nuclear secrets. I don't know. That's what that crazy lady think. Uh, at the end of the day, though, they think that Catherine Dalton had schizophrenia. I was looking into her a little bit today. Uh, later in life, they diagnosed her with a lot of mental health issues. So maybe that's just the government trying to cover her perfect story up. Or she was just yelling at the top of the mountaintop because her husband died. One of the two. Another spy one, Peter Wright, former MI5 operative and author of Spy Catcher, has a similar but different theory. Wright accused Sir Roger Hollis of being a Soviet mole. Hollis was the head of the MI5 between 1956 and 1965. Uh, this was a very controversial accusation when he did it. You got a lot of press from that. Uh, not only that, Wright thinks that Dr. Bogle was recruited by Hollis and was found out by the powers that be and eventually eliminated for being a Russian spy. Chandler, again, just collateral damage. Jeffrey Chandler believes that MI5 had something to do with the death of his wife and Dr. Bogle as well, like I said earlier. One little quick thing here. It would be nice if one of these fucking Bogle is a badass theories were made reverse and Margaret was the badass and Bogle was the nerd that he was. You know what I mean? Like maybe Margaret was the spy and she seduced the brilliant doctor and then Dr. Bogle's handlers at the CSIRO oh. or the people at Bell Company who are secretly vetting Bogle by following him around find out that he's giving away information to the first chick that shows him his tits who's a Russian spy. So the CSIRO or Bell or whatever kills Bogle for dishing to the death ray secrets to the to the 
hoary Russian spy yeah, and kills Margaret sure. for being a spy. No, nobody ever, like nobody ever makes the chick cool. Who's the guy? I got one question for you, sir. Yeah. Did Margaret play the fucking clarinet? <laughs> no. Maybe so... she poisoned his clarinet. Hashtag feminism theory. And then she got caught in the crossfire. You have to be pretty, but you have to be pretty bad with poison to then have sex with a dude that you poisoned and not realize it would kill you. Why would it kill you? Maybe it was like we were talking before how, you know, carrying around poison suicide stuff. Like you got the cyanide false tooth that you just crack and oh, you yeah. take mm. one for the team. And it got both of them. Yeah. She killed him and then she cracked her cyanide pill and went down with the ship. Went down what if the, one yeah. of them really was a spy and had like a cyanide pill in their tooth and they just fucked yeah. way too hard? Oh yeah, like she was she was sucking <laughs> his dick and then her jaw cramped and she was like, hold on, <laughs> click, oops. And then he, she bit down and right into his bloodstream and that was the end of that. Oh, was... I thought it'd be sillier like she blew it into his pee hole. <laughs> oh yeah. Off he still had it. his penis intact, so yeah. Uh yeah. And then he vomited on her and then she pooped. <laughs> Case closed. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we've done it. Here's here's one for TZ because I, I kind of you said you, you left this kind of up in the air on your podcast, and I was kind of reading a bit here. So the one armed man, oh, Raymond Chalice. Raymond Chalice, what, yeah. Well, what is this? The fugitive? Uh, this is a real theory, actually. One our man claims to have seen the couple having sex. Uh, he called the police, actually, that day, two times under different aliases each time. Uh, Raymond said that he was walking down the road, and Gilbert pulled over beside him. And then he saw, I guess he saw a woman with Bogle in the car. Uh, who, and they looked like they were going to say something to him, and they just didn't. And then they sped off into the night. So then when Raymond gets back to his car, and he drives off, he notices Bogle's car close to the Fuller Bridge. He stops because Raymond thought he saw a woman in the car with Bogle and they're probably there to bone. Mr. Ray here is a bit of a voyeur and he went down to go like check them jerk, jerk off, I guess. And he sees the dead bodies and that's when he calls the cops. They ruled him out because he had one arm and it was probably too hard for him to fold the clothes and drag the rug on. Wait, do you automatically get out of shit if you have one arm? TZ, that's what TZ said. He's like fucking people with no arms. Like are- they do. They could do It'd all sorts of shit, shit. like fold clothes their for teeth. Sure. Yeah. yeah, come on. Yeah, that's a lame excuse. But my favorite thing about this was Raymond's excuse to police, which they said, you know, what were you doing, you know, by this park at, you know, 3 a.m., 4 a.m.? And he goes, well, I was just collecting soil for my garden. <laughs> sure you were, you creeper. that's a normal thing to do 3 a.m on new year's eve (laughs) yeah is there is there like a dearth of soil that like not this soil you don't want this soil anyway yeah it's yeah i mean it sounds like it's fertilized now true the interesting part that tz kind of left up in the air was that raymond claims have seen another man out in the bush right tall long blonde hair from behind am i right on this yeah Right? Nothing ever amounted from this part of the story. We never heard of it. He said, yeah, you just walked into the bushes. And they're like, oh. But you have to remember, too, this park was a lover's lane where on New Year's Eve, there might have been more than one couple 
making out, necking, cars would kind of pull in and people would fuck by the river. Peter Butts has another, he kind of brings up something with some two girls, two lesbians that were out there. So maybe he just saw a lesbian, you know, or. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Maybe he, maybe it was Vivian. What color was Vivian's hair? Maybe she was just so pregnant that she looked like a man from behind. You know, she's just about to murder. It's possible. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. How does one look so the only thing women can do that they look like a man? <laughs> the only thing women can do is get pregnant, huh? Not. Well, that's what you said. Me. You said the only thing women me. can do is something, get pregnant. Something good for you, RJ. You just turn that around me. on yourself, you little shit. Excuse me. <laughs> You know how much I hate women. You can't use that against me. <laughs> There's this Eddie Batiste guy coming up. He didn't really, I don't think he killed these people, but he definitely, we kind of figure out who covers up the bodies with this guy. Um, he was a greyhound trainer and a butcher. People have been calling the police after the thing saying they'd seen his, what looked like Batiste's car near the river, or sorry, near the bridge that Bogle and Chandler were found at. Eddie was back there on New Year's Eve night actually to sneak into the Chatswood golf course to train as greyhounds, which wasn't allowed. So he snuck in the back. I, I'm assuming the same way the kids went back there to go look for golf balls. Eddie denies that we're going that route or seeing the dead bodies at all. What kind of hot commodity were golf balls that these kids were scrounging around in the middle of the night looking for them? It wasn't the middle of the night. It was like eight in the morning when they went. There was 8.30. When oh, the kids oh, my bad. I just want everyone to acknowledge all the weird shit that's apparently just normal and happening in this area right now. We got a dude collecting soil at 4 a.m. People just picking up fucking golf balls. I mean, it's going to help my theory out. Yeah, this is why this is so fucked up. This is why this story has so many rabbit holes. It's so crazy. There's so many different things going on. And to pull in the, the Eddie Bautiste. So he was a greyhound trainer and a butcher who was supposedly also averse to the sight of human flesh. <laughs> uh, so, so now here's what the, here's what we actually think is true today. So he was taking his greyhounds down by the river. Cause there's that golf course there. That's where he takes them to train. The reason he didn't want to tell cops is he's not allowed on the golf course. So he's kind of a, an asshole. He brings his dogs there and trains them. They probably shit on the golf course and, but anyways, he's there, he's walking by, his dogs see the bodies, and smell them, you know, they're going, probably going crazy. And he freaks out and goes up and covers the bodies. So he wasn't related to the murder, but he's thinking, oh God, like, I think also he might not have known they were dead. He probably saw the throw up and stuff. It was like these fucking degenerate you know kids oh, for and sure covers them up but then he takes he takes margaret's purse <laughs> which is kind of a which is kind of a fucked up thing to do but one of the guys that knew eddie they were asking him about it years later the researcher and he's like yeah that kind of sounds like something eddie would do did this fucking guy walk out of a wes anderson movie like that's the <laughs> weirdest yep. like and he he confessed to this guy too he was in the dog training he was one of the officiators or something this older guy and he's like yeah eddie told me he found those bodies like way back in the day he didn't say he covered them up but he said he saw them and it like freaked him out and they're like do you think he would steal a person he's like yeah it sounds like something eddie might do yeah so they found the purse outside of eddie's eddie threw the purse outside of his cousin's house on his way and then these kids 
found the purse outside of Eddie, Eddie's cousin's house, took it home to their mom. The mom, this is all back in the 60s, she saw the purse, saw the ID of this missing woman, was like, oh, you got to throw this shit out. She never called the cops. She threw that purse away. And one of her kids years later was like, oh, yeah, we found a purse and it had margaret chandler id in it and my mom threw it out because she was afraid of yeah she had four kids and she didn't feel like dealing with the cops and all that stuff she had too much to deal with already so she just threw it out and never said a word yeah not a bad move yeah yeah i mean honestly really what an enigmatic and fascinating individual yeah, the, like, the Greyhound Trainer guy, yeah. uh, Eddie's crazy. I'm sorry, weirdo. Greyhound Trainer, Butcher. Scared of skin. Intentional asshole and purse kleptomaniac? Like, that's... <laughs> you don't get to be that many things. That doesn't happen. And a, a phobia of human flesh. That as but well. You're a, but you're a butcher. That's very strange. That's, right? Yeah. Maybe maybe the phobia was he was worried he would have an overwhelming compulsion to butcher people. Maybe. He sounds <laughs> kind of psychopathic. What's the the documentary that Peter Butt did? It was called uh, "What Happened to Mr. Bogle and Dr. Bogle and Mrs. Chandler." He also wrote a couple books, but he he interviewed three of Eddie's kids, and they like tried to convince Peter Butt that their dad found the body. You know, like I, I love I find that funny. He was going out there looking for information. They're like, no, no, he totally found it. He was super yeah. conservative, and he definitely found it. Like, are you sure? Yeah, like, yeah. Here, look at this obituary from some fucking dog magazine. It says my dad found them in this obituary, so it's got to <laughs> be true. You know what I mean? Yeah. Believe my dad found the bad bodies. Like, I find that so interesting too. The kids were convinced. Yeah, it is pretty strange. Yeah, I guess you kind of know if your dad's the type to. <laughs> Just cover up a few bodies and just leave. I you know? cannot imagine being raised by that man. That yeah. sounds so awful. And his his brother, whose house he was at, was an amateur boxer. Yes, it's true too. That's which one. just another weird detail. Yeah, yeah. This could be a this could be an adaptation one day. Yeah, yeah like sure. I want to do the next episode just about this guy. <laughs> like, uh, oh, and then was it Eddie? he had witnessed a drowning in that river oh i never saw that when he was a child yeah so eddie had witnessed a woman drowned and they said maybe that played a part in him approaching a dead body maybe he that trauma of like seeing someone drown in that river years ago yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah, part. He, he could be the main character. Almost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like a fucking Thomas Pynchon novel. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Very strange. It's so fascinating. Before we get to the two main theories, there's also we got to talk about Ken Nash a little bit here. Um, Ken Nash, at the end of the party, the end of the New Year's Eve party, he was serving coffee to everyone. He's going around giving coffee out. And Bogle and Margaret both had a coffee, but Jeffrey did not. Jeffrey actually... Did not die that evening. So there is the media actually glommed on to Ken Nash as being involved in this somehow. He he's the one who gave him the last drink. Must have been poisoned. They don't really have. They don't really give me a good motivation for Ken to actually have done this. Like I saw, like TZ says, a prank. Like maybe putting drugs of a certain sort inside of there. Maybe that seems like kind of a weird prank to me. Like it's boner pill, fucking. Like it's like putting, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but it's like putting fucking Viagra in someone's drink and being like, pranked ya. Like, okay, good prank. Not everyone walks around the boner. That's not a very funny prank. But also like he was really conservative and he was sick of Bogle's womanizing. Like maybe, but that you're going to kill the girl that he's womanizing with. That's kind of a, 
outrageous. But the media definitely, definitely glommed out. Oh, yeah. The other thing that makes him look suspicious is the fact that he had the media come to his house before the cops. So the media could just like stomp out the the crime scene. So it's not as obvious anymore. But the media and I guess the police a bit went into him. And these guys used to love their, their New Year's Eve parties. And they were crushed after that for the next bunch of years. They couldn't do their New Year's parties anymore because everyone around New Year's knew who they were because this case was super huge. And they would just, a new story would come up about Chandler Bogle. And then they'd be questioned again. Like, what did you guys do? What did you guys see? So it kind of ruined their their thing. The newspapers were like reporting that these parties were drug-fueled satanic orgies. And it was just a matter of time before someone died. So these guys, these guys took the brunt of the media, really, and ruined their lives. And then the, Ruth Nash actually died on New Year's Day, 1974, exactly 11 years after the death of Bogle and Chandler from complications of cancer. And then Ken Nash committed suicide on New Year's Day, 1976, 13 years exactly after the death of Bogle and Chandler, all of which looks suspect, but none of its evidence. Uh, killing yourself 13 years like that doesn't really help with the satanist thing you know what i mean like maybe you were a satanist um <laughs> 666 years yeah 666 days exactly <laughs> was the suicide just because of guilt or was it because the media stressed him and his wife out so much that he'd rather been dead and his wife was dead at that point so it could have yeah. been yeah, just get sadness from depression. his depression yeah yeah the only problem I have, like, there's a lot of problems with this theory, but the major ones, like, you didn't really have a motive. Why the fuck would he kill these people? You know, it doesn't really make sense. Uh, I really like this part about, there's another theory that TZ threw up there, was Vogel actually kissed a different woman on the at 12 o'clock midnight for the, the New Year's kiss. He the didn't New kiss Year's Margaret. Kiss. He kissed a, a rash-faced girl. She had a mm-hmm. rash. She had a hard time getting dates. So Bogle went and kissed her. Then he, she, he started going to hang out with Margaret. So she was pissed and poisoned them both. Or the rash killed him. Or the rash, whatever the rash was. The yeah. deadly rash. Yeah, maybe it got inside him. Uh, speaking of Russians, there was a, a Russian, <laughs> was it virus? Was it a virus? That wait, used to, it wait, would basically like eat people's hold skin on. off and it was, it was called like the zombie virus. It all ties back in. We talked you, about Russian. Wait, are you joking though? Or I'm talking about the link from earlier. Like, wait, I, I know you weren't just talking about Russians, but I was just saying you said that. Okay, talking right. about also it... Russians. I'm done then. I really thought you misheard rash as Russians. Oh, no. <laughs> and... no, no, the rash is part of it. There's like this Russian uh like man-made virus or bacteria or whatever that like eats your skin off and it it was actually spread across Australia at one point. And they had a problem containing it. Oh I don't goodness. think any of that's true. I think you misheard, but good save. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, rash face girl did it because it's pure jealousy. She couldn't get dates. I'm going to go with, I don't believe this theory at all. Okay. Actually, wait, this wasn't, sorry. It wasn't a disease. It was a drug. It was called crocodile. Crocodile. Oh, I did hear oh. about crocodile. Yeah, yeah. That stuff. So maybe, know. maybe that chick who had the rash face, had some crocodile poison and from whatever drug she took, then, yeah. you know, little clarinet comes yeah. into play and whole communities. I, I, though I would not identify what happens to people who do crocodile as a rash. That's like, that's like yeah. saying, well, you weren't there. Having your okay? limb sheared off in a lave <laughs> is a, is a, is a cut. Like, yeah, I cut my arm. Yeah. Fucking off. Yeah. But <laughs> What are the stages of crocodile? Hell. It's crocodile and it's fucking makes you eat people. It has nothing to do with this. 
you psycho. Yeah, but just do you, is it like you're infected and you immediately need to eat people? Or do you start off by kissing and then you get a taste for human? No, it fucking rots your flesh and exposes your bones. Shit is a weird drug. Yeah, yeah. it's just... I'm just saying, so that's all. Just calling it a rash is a bit of a light descriptor. Okay, we have two different drugs and uh, the one I think it is. So we got LSD is the next theory. Uh, one of the major theories about how they died in the early days was that they died from the use of LSD. Bogle worked in a lab and he would have been able to get easy access to the drug. Nowadays, we know LSD is a hallucinogen, but back in the 60s, it was considered as somewhat of an aphrodisiac. So if you take too much LSD... It can cause vomiting and diarrhea, which we know the scene was full of. Uh, it happens so infrequently. Uh, overdosing or whatever happens so infrequently with LSD. It's hard to actually study. There's not many study like uh, I, people take lots of LSD and don't die all the time. It's hard to die. I don't even think there's any. I looked yeah. for some cases. I don't even think there's any that are straight up LSD. I found one from some girl that was at a concert, but they think it was mixed with something other than LSD. It had some other hallucinogen in or drug. I don't think you can die from it. I think you can take shit tons, no. fuck up your brain and commit suicide or something. Sure. But I don't think you just straight up LSD kill yourself. I don't believe that. It sounds like any kind of, any kind of study into that would, I can't possibly believe wouldn't be tainted with like the utmost anti-drug propaganda. No, the U S did a pretty large study called MK ultra and they didn't find anything wrong with the use of LSD. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. They actually endorsed it at least for themselves. to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think there have been any recorded cases of overdose on LSD alone without yeah. synergistic. Yeah, yeah. The worst, the worst thing that happened to me on acid was for a brief moment, my friend and I seriously considered the ramifications of turning into birds uh, <laughs> spontaneously, but uh, then we laughed about it for like thirty minutes, and uh, we were fine. There you go. Yeah, that's dangerous though. When the bodies were analyzed, they did look up, they did check to see if LSD was in their blood or whatever. Uh, no trace of LSD. Uh, still not satisfied. After f- nearly 40 years in 1996, uh, relic tissues were sent to a lab in the U.S. To, there was a new advanced forensic technique that they could pass through the relic tissues to see if it had signs of LSD. It did show that it had signs of LSD. So everyone was like, oh, we figured it out, LSD. But they had to do a more sensitive and accurate scan, and it showed that there was no evidence of LSD. So <laughs> it just—it went to like this big crazy. Oh yeah, oh no. Yeah, I don't believe any of their science anymore. So that's done. That's the LSD theories. That there's—it was just a theory because they opened free '60s. You know, LSD was around. I don't know. I go with not so much, but you know. I will say, coincidentally, 1964 is supposedly the year that the CIA stopped. MK Ultra program or start ramping it down. So oh. potential connection here. Maybe they were closing up some loose ends. Oh, they were releasing it on the streets for years before that anyway. So it doesn't really matter. Once once guys, not everybody had a bad time with uh, MK Ultra. Some guys loved it. Uh, some guys had a great time and wanted more. And the government seized that opportunity. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Some guys were like, give me more, please. So the next one is Yohimbean. So gonna let that sit for a second. Yohimbean. Can you say that again? Yohimbean. Yo. Yohimbean is a natural extract found in the Yohimbi tree bark. It's only found in Africa. Like I said earlier, Bogo works in a lab, so we've been able to get a hold of Yohimbean if you really needed to. Uh, it's said to be a natural aphrodisiac and also helps with erectile dysfunction. 
there's rumors out there that Dr. Bogle had erectile dysfunction. And even though he was like a ladies man, so he probably had some of this Yohimbine stuff and he was probably using it that night to get his little guy rocking. And then Margaret potentially took some for the aphrodisiac qualities. Yohimbine wasn't found at his lab or at his house. Uh, and then there's, TZ goes into like a long detail about this in his podcast about a guy named Dr. William Allender. Uh, he's a forensic toxicologist and medical chemist that worked in the police department until he retired in 2018. He was an expert in poisons and drugs with 30 years of professional experience. He's written about the Bogle Chandler mystery as well as well as he's been an expert witness in many cases involving, po involving poisonings. He claims that early in his career, he tested the Bogle and Chandler blood in 1981. And then when he did, he found that there was Yohim being in both Dr. Bogle and Mrs. Chandler's blood samples. He tested it a couple times, I believe, and he got it both times. I think it was three times. Allender thinks that this uh, is how the pair died as an accident, taking too much of this Yohimbine. Tests never got to be verified, though. That's the major issue. You never got to put it through a mass spectrometer or whatever. I think that's what he said. A different kind of test that would give it for sure because he got transferred and no interest by 1981. So only Allender's seen these results. Uh, overdosing on Yohimbine can and has killed people in the past. You can mix it with the wrong kind of food. And it can give you like strokes, heart attacks, stuff like that. Uh, Yohimbine is also used for breeding dogs. So back to the wiener dogs. So maybe she had some of it and she was also a nurse. Uh, and then this is where the prank comes in. This is where there's some theory that Ken Nash may have put Yohimbine in their, their coffee as like a prank and they didn't know and they took too much. So Yohimbine, I'm sure TZ wants to add some more to that because he likes this theory. I think you're, this is your theory. This is the, what you like for it, eh, TZ? Uh I think I'm actually slightly more on our last theory, but I do think this is a possibility. It's very fringe. I think it's probably the most likely of different theories, but not the most likely theory. Um, yeah. The thing I will add too is that Allender only tested the skin samples for or the blood samples one time. Oh, and it, it was yeah. kind of a last minute. Yeah, it was kind of a last minute thing. He was testing something else and he saw that there were a few samples left over Chandler and he thought, well, it couldn't hurt. But his account is the only evidence we have. It was never, you know, there's no records of the tests. They were never tested again because they don't have, I don't think even any viable samples anymore. So, you know, it could have been a misreading. It could have been a false positive. But if you talk to Dr. Allender, he's very confident that that came up as a positive test and that uh, it had to have been a Yohimbine overdose. And I will add, too, there was a Chinese scientist, I think it was a few years after the murders, who had an overdose of Yohimbine to people. It took it as an aphrodisiac and they had overdosed. And he said, this is the exact same symptoms. And he was convinced that after looking into the Chandler Bogle that it was the same thing. So, you know, it's, it's possible. There's still many holes in the theory. Like we've said before, why would Ken Nash do it unless it was a prank? And even if it was a prank, where did he get it? How did he administer it without them tasting it in their coffee? You know, it didn't take effect until they drove to the river. There's just a lot of convenient 
points yeah. that would have had to have happened. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to have it, but I mean, this is the most likely one, the last one, in my the opinion. Or actually, I'm sure RJ and Rick are gonna have way better ones. To tell you the truth. So last one's hydrogen sulfide gas. In the 2006 documentary Who Killed Mr. Bogle and Mrs. Chandler, filmmaker and author Peter Butt puts out a theory that the pair were killed by rotten egg smelling gas, hydrogen sulfide, that enveloped the Lane Cove riverbed that fateful morning. He claims that the gas came from nearby factories dumped waste. Hydrogen sulfide gas would quickly and aggressively attack your nervous system if you were to inhale it. Uh, Gas is colorless, so you wouldn't see it. Uh, It smells like rotten eggs. At high enough doses, though, like you wouldn't be able to smell it anyway. Then it would overtake your lungs, not letting you take in oxygen. Then you'd start to shit your pants and puke your brains out. They'd be all confused and stuff, walking around like crazy people. And then you'd probably just, or you could just die. That's the other thing. You could just inhale enough and just die right on the spot. And it's nearly impossible to detect after death, except your blood can turn a green or purple hue at high concentrations. Now, Lane Cove River itself burps up the hydrogen sulfide. All right. First of all, you mentioned the trees thing. Is that like a thing? Like, is that the trees even make a difference in the thing? Like these mangrove trees? The mangrove trees, they do emit a very small level of uh, hydrogen sulfide gas at night, but not enough that we know of. Not enough. Yeah, it's just that they, that was the first lead, like, oh, maybe this, but then they're like, oh, no, mangrove trees wouldn't emit enough, but it led them on the track. So yeah, with industrialization in the late 1800s, the river was used as a, for waste dumping. Now dumping began in 1890-ish and continued until about the 30s. There was no sewage system for these new factories. And what's the next best place? A nearby river. And... (laughs) After the 30s, the sewage line was built beneath the river, but with 40 years of heavy pollution into Lane Cove, the damage was already severe enough to last years. In the mid-40s, I think it was 1948, a marine scientist did a year-long study with the pollution in the river and discovered that the river was actually burping up the hydrogen sulfide. He was seeing people's paint was ripping off their house. They could smell the gas around there, like the, the rotten egg smell. Uh, he, he took some mud and tested it and tested high in hydrogen sulfides. These concentrations were not just localized to one little spot. It was like over five kilometers, which I don't know what that is in miles. I forgot to write that down. Sorry, guys. Even though all the nearby factories were ordered to use the sewage lines for their waste, in times of heavy rain, the overflow valves would shoot the polluted waste still into the river. So hydrogen sulfide is heavier than air. So it would always go to its lowest point when it was in gaseous form. Bogle and Chandler were found probably the lowest point where the gas would have settled. But wrote a follow-up book in 2012. I think it was Dr. Bogle and Miss Chandler, The Confession, where he outlines and updates to his already popular gassing theory as to what happened to the couple. Mr. Buck claimed that in 2012, he heard accounts of two women that had actually seen the event happen. The, the psychologist who got in contact with them after seeing the documentary didn't want to be named publicly, but he came to Mr. Butt after watching the documentary. One woman told her story uh, to him in 1965. This psychologist told Mr. Butt the story third hand. So remember that. This is like fucking playing telephone, but this story was told to him. The woman claims that she and her girlfriend went to the riverbank for the same reasons as Bogle and Chandler just earlier in the night. Like TZ said earlier, Lane Cove was a popular spot for people to go make out or bone or whatever. One of the women had lost her purse during that encounter and they were retracing their steps looking for it and came upon the sexy scene. 
So they sat in the bushes and watched like a creepy one-armed man. At some point, they heard Chandler say, why have you stopped and keep going? And then suddenly the woman grabbed her throat, made a strangling sound. She uninserted herself, got up and staggered off. The man struggled to move away from the water and climb up the slope. The two women just waited there a moment until there was no noise and continued to look for the purse. Maybe the two women, the one were the, like the guy, the one our man saw. I don't know. Uh, he said long hair. Why didn't these women go to the police? First of all, the women said they smelled gas, like the egg, rotten egg, but just assumed it was all the commotion was because they were fucked up on some sort of drug because they were, they were like super Christian people or came from Christian background, Catholic backgrounds. Uh, being a lesbian in those times was frowned upon. Uh, not only frowned upon, it was illegal in Australia to be a lesbian. So they said they smelt the rotten eggs and just assumed it was drugs. They left. The psychologist didn't realize the significance of what he was being told until much later when he heard Mr. Butt's theory. The ladies who claimed to have witnessed the affair didn't want to go to the authorities because they knew Bogle and Chandler were having an affair and it wasn't proper in those days. Plus, they were lesbians. And they didn't want to get in trouble either. Uh, it's believed that the women had some sort of connection to the Catholic Church and are heavily Catholic. They didn't want to expose themselves. This theory is debunked in ways because the blood was normal old red at the time. I, I read that it, they said it was just red, so they didn't really have the hue. But you said it, one of the doctors said it might have had a hue to it. So maybe that's not as debunked as I thought it was. The, the burping of the hydrogen sulfide gas. Is there anything else I missed in there, TZ? I think I pretty much covered it all. Yeah, I think you nailed it, man. That's, uh, I'm curious to see what uh, RJ and Rick, what you think of the hydrogen sulfide or what you think of the high, um, boner pill. Yeah, theory. so, okay, so yeah, like. That's all the theory, so it's time to just fucking make sure that all right all right so is it possible maybe he just farted really bad and then it killed them maybe you know what i mean he was like he farted she's she's down on the the, that beautiful bedspread of trunk carpet while (laughs) while he's railing her after i don't know maybe doing boner pills uh we'll loop that one in there why not and then he rips ass and uh and maybe it's so maybe it's worse than it should be because because of the science experiments that he's into you know oh uh, he's magnified he's he, he, yeah maybe he's he got maser farts fart. he yeah. microwaved a fart <laughs> maybe he's got maser farts dude maser farts maser okay. fart machine and then and then she starts choking to death on maser fart and he's like, like why have you stopped and then i mean naturally mm-hmm. he finishes um but then realizes what he's done and and then maybe he farts in his own face to die to, to atone for his sin, but not before, but not before neatly folding his pants on top of himself <laughs> and laying straight down under the ground. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what the, that's what the, the, the carpet's for. It's not to lay down on it. It's to hold the fart in to kill someone. You know, it's like, oh. it's like acting as a, as a guard. Okay. Yeah. That's hmm. also probable. Or to like waft the fart. Over oh the yeah. <laughs> like fan it. Yeah. Away from himself, like deadly direction. Yeah. Still a weirdly DIY thing to do for an otherwise seemingly resourceful individual who's a scientist. I think you'd you'd bring the right tools rather than cutting up your car, but yeah, whatever. So you think it was a maser, a fart, a fart maser? That's maser fart, yeah. Maser fart <laughs> is the the clarinet. Is is the clarinet really a clarinet, or is that the maser that enhances the fart? Ooh, maybe that was what his experiments were all about—just being a bitch ass, like sick clarinet player, so he could get all the ladies. 
but that was the the unintended side effect you know like a like a like a super villain or something or like a dart gun he sucks his fart into the clarinet and then oh shit it's the fart right out hyper targeted yeah damn (laughs) he's an assassin an ass assassin 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 yeah assassin there you go that's nice all right, Rick's got a more logical one. I can see. <laughs> no, I, I my, my I, I'm not gonna. Well, I actually don't agree with it being, you know, these gases that are occurring due to, you know, I'm not saying that these gases are not occurring. It just doesn't make sense to me that they would die, but more people wouldn't, or more weird things wouldn't be noticed. And the reason I said that is because I'm thinking back to like dog suicide bridge. And that okay. shit made zero sense. And there's like tons of dogs that just walk up to this bridge and jump off of it. Right. That's there's going to be, there's, there's kids walking around picking up ping pong or uh, golf balls. There's random people doing shit. They're not supposed to at all hours of the night. Like somebody else would have died from this shit. If it was just naturally occurring. It could just be wrong place, wrong time. Like not everybody gets hit by lightning, but people do get hit by lightning, you know? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I think in the case of like contaminants in the water, right? It's like not, it wasn't just one person that had undrinkable water in Flint, Michigan, right? Yeah. So it like affects a larger. Well, no, everyone was saying, everyone around there was complaining about the river being polluted. It's, it's just the gas part that wasn't affecting everyone. Like the whole river being polluted was a known thing. That's why they brought the guy in to like, check it out. You know what I mean? Like the river is fucked. Everyone knows that that's not, uh, that's not up for debate. Well, I agree with that. And then also you're, you're wrong. It was just one person in Flint who was bothered by the water. His name is Dave and everybody just really liked Dave and knew how thirsty he was. Oh yeah. yeah. It was just him. Yeah. Let me just say one thing to Rick to uh, bolster your, your suspicions is that Dr. Allender, the one who thinks the Yohimbine was the most likely, he said the same thing. He said, it's weird. They didn't find a bunch of dead wildlife. No, no other dead bodies. He looked at some of these hydrogen sulfide emissions that had happened in other places that had actually killed people. And I think he looked at one of them and it was like over a dozen or two dozen people were knocked out and killed by it. So it's like, he was like, it would have just been two. It would have been more. So eh, just a, that's, that's actually a really good point with the animals, yeah. with the people yeah. I'm like, whatever, but like little frogs and shit, like there'd be those mm-hmm. all to the ground all the time. Like a bunch of, of fish, maybe yeah. like a hundred, you know, so they didn't really notice anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just to put this into perspective, it needs to be relatively high dosage to kill somebody even within an hour. I mean, it's got to be like fucking significant. I forget what the number was, but I'm pretty sure it's hundred parts per million, which is like enough, but it's not super lots. Uh, it's possible. And, and the thing that made me go in the direction of it being a possibility of the hydrogens or a good possibility is that one of the scientists said that if you got a whiff of it over a hundred parts per million, which is possible from these river emissions, you could possibly be dead before you hit the ground. So it was super poisonous so if you got like five or eight you know you're wandering around shitting yourself falling so it's plausible yeah. okay so you're against that one which one are you for you're talking to me yeah the person who was yeah against that. i'm the only one against the theory of the gas burp killed them 
Well, I have I have a gas theory as well, but <laughs> his gas theory is more localized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I am. I think me and Richard are ma- mainly in favor of the gas as the most likely, but not. Definitive. I like it the most because it everything else just seems outrageous. Like, Yohimbian maybe is like the next one to me too, but it's still like like how much of that would you have to had to take? Like how aphrodisiac did you need to be? You know, not not too much. Well, just to play devil's advocate there, too, is that a lot of these um, stimulant uh, stuff as they were marketed. And even to this day, they're marketing in California. They did a study in the nine in the 90s. I think it was of some weird over the counter, Yohimbine pills, and they found different quantities of it in all different ones. And if you got pure Yohimbine hydrochloride or something. There's one that's way more potent than just the tree bark. Like you could get the tree bark and brew a tea with it or something. So yeah, there's, there's people who say, you know, I took, I took a one of these Yohimbine pills to let like go work out and get a good boner. And like, I was vomiting and crying and thinking I was going to die. And uh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Follow-up question. Are you supposed to have a boner when you go work out? Uh, you not know that dude i i will try that i'll let you know on the status of my gym membership next week and a butt plug you're supposed to put your butt plug butt in. Pl- it. oh is that oh. how you keep all your farts and pooping while you're doing the squats so you don't want to shit yourself yeah. one with a cute tail all right you should do you should do a side podcast for workout tips because i might <laughs> i might be a physical trainer kind of side podcast yeah yeah Yeah, it's about like building body mass call it tapes from the hard side (laughs) i like that that was good all right well yeah we're we're all waiting a beta breath to see what you think he's got fart i we've got i'm split like like tz but i'm i'm more on the hydrogen so i don't like the hoi ben my own as much i want to try some though tz was scared to try it because he's he said in his podcast he's got uh addictive tendencies. Yeah, if you wanna if you wanna like ever I'll ship some to you. No, if you yeah. sure, but if you ever want somebody to test something for you, I got you, bro. I, I mean, <laughs> I will. Yeah, I'm gonna go with just I'm gonna go honestly with just contaminated LSD. I think you know, I know I read something or you said something about LSD being found or retested or something, right? We sent to the US at a later time. And I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if there was just a lot of drug experimentation and, you know, there were additives in it or something cut with something and just reacted. This is exactly why they retested the samples, because that's what scientists said. It was probably an overdose on LSD and they wanted to retest yeah, it. But, and the old skin that they were using to test it on, like those, like, I forgot what I, what I called them. They probably could have been hard to test. Like it was fucking 35 year old DNA. You know what I mean? Like it, and it wasn't taken to be DNA. It was just taken as skin samples. Like nowadays you could keep it forever, but they just took samples in 1960. They didn't fucking have DNA. They just, here's some skin. You fucking narcs. (laughs) (laughs) Of course it's the drugs that did it. I'm not saying it's the drugs because I fucking government agent and a Canadian. Yeah, I'm a, I'm pro drugs. <laughs> I'm pro legalize all drugs because it's stupid. Mm. People are still gonna do them regardless of illegal or legal. Just legalize them. That's where I'm at in real life. Typical Canadian. 
<laughs> Even crocodile <laughs> fucking legalize that shit. Ooh, no, don't do that. People are going to do it anyway. We could t- capitalize uh, on this. No, not if they have. No, they do, they do that because they don't have. <laughs> Learn your place, Canada. You're not about making money. Some of the preeminent crocodile <laughs> distributors in the, in the North America. I want to see a Nestle like crocodile commercial. <laughs> you ever want to eat your friend's face? <laughs> hey, why not? You got to, you only live God. once, yeah. try everything. It's like the old Sunday <laughs> commercials. What do you got in the fridge? Purple stuff, crocodile. They're just like eating each other on the ground. <laughs> just try it just once. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Oh, yeah. So what do we what do we finalize? What are we gonna say for a TZ here? What's what's our final answer? What are we gonna put up for debate? Okay. <laughs> Fart clarinet. Whoa, 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 whoa. The clarinet was a side possibility in there. We're talking, we're talking laser farts or maser farts. Oh yeah, maser farts. That's right. Maser phasers, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm with RJ now. <laughs> phasers put it over the edge. I'm with RJ. It's fucking phasers. Yeah, have me convinced. <laughs> I'm kind of going with that. What do you got, then, Ricky? <laughs> you want phasers with this? You want to go with phasers? I think that honestly, based on all of like no shit, based on all the real evidence provided. It's probably the closest to what could have cool. happened than any of uh, the other. I, I'm not buying any of the other shit. Nice. Been a hot minute since I had one. Thank you, guys. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm happy you got it. because I'll call it Peter Butt right away, the yeah. researcher. Nice. I'll yeah. let him know we solved it. And tell Hell Peter yeah. you spent a lot of time. Like he, Next time you need something to solve, just call us. Stop wasting your yeah. time, you know? I don't want you to. He, he threw his life on this. Yeah, our... our our phone, our phone rates are cheaper than our in-person ones. So. Yeah, exactly. okay. Yeah, and we'll uh, RJ uh, Rick, you still got that pen? Oh, oh no, I no, I lost all the pens, so we may need to ask him to pay us in pens. Oh, all right. Well, you're always sixteen cases of pens. Well, we don't need that many. I mean, we, <laughs> come on, man. I mean, that's, I'm just gonna lose most of them. Can I pay you in Yohimbine? Ooh, that's gonna give us right our well. I'm gonna go with yes. I don't know what the guys say. I will. I will take some. I'm. I'm just thinking about working out pretty soon here, and I <laughs> needed to. I need to get a boner going. That's perfect. Rick looks pissed. The capitalist and Rick is pissed right now. He wants actual oh, money. No, actually, we take the Yohimbine, dip our dicks in ink, unlimited pen. That's true. So Yohimbine and ink. Unless you got ink, you got to line ink up. Is, ink is optional, but yeah, I mean, we don't want to. Yeah, I can do that. I'll oh, ship cool. you a box full of ink. Sick. Sick. Very excited for that. I just watched Private Dicks and I think RJ's the funniest. What? Come on! Hey there, all you private dickheads. That's probably not the name we're going to stick with. Anyways, uh, RJ here. I am here to tell you thank you for listening to another episode of Private Dicks. If you liked what you heard, go on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere they take your reviews, Drop us five stars, say something nice. Also, what you just heard was from last season. If you want current episodes as they're dropped, head on over to patreon.com and search up Unethical Podcast. That's our mother podcast. I was not aware Private Dicks was a spinoff. I'm going to renegotiate my contract. On Patreon is a full 16-episode season more of Private Dicks, uncut videos of each episode, and many more things are getting added all the time. You can also find all of Unethical's content on there, so go listen to that. 
And if you're already a patron, fuck yeah, dude. You're the best. Thank you.